Hey everybody, how we doing? It's it's Renato and our good friend Berto, new Age Strength Cast. Yep, finally came with the name. Finally came with the name. Episode two. 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 Episode two. On this beautiful Monday. Yeah, Monday. Hope you have a great day today. Hope you do what you gotta do. You know. How you, are you excited? Pretty excited. I'm how, pretty excited. How yeah. excited are you? More excited than I sound. Okay. I good. mean, I feel a little better than last week. Last week I was kind of, you know, kind of nervous, but it ended up being pretty good. So, what do you think listening to yourself? How'd you how'd you feel? It's weird. You know, I kind of hate my voice sometimes, but it's cool. Nah, it's cool. There's worse. I've heard a lot worse voices <laughs> on, on the air. Shout out to all you guys with great voices out here. Um, I'm excited, man. Um, just listening to it. Um, listening to my other favorite podcasts that revolve around what we do, and just listening to ours. It's, we have a good foundation. Yes, sir. Foundations everything. Yes, sir. Are we going to talk a little bit of foundation too today? Yes, we are. Oh, man. Should we just get into it? Right into it? I think it happened. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So this one's from one of my good friends, fellow coaches, Coach Javier. Uh, Works with Coach Javier. Yep. Works with a lot of baseball, softball players. Um, His question or topic was basically how to work with and train baseball and softball players. So pretty much what goes into their programming, um, needs uh, that you need to take care of, you know, keeping up with schedules and everything that comes in both in-season and off-season. Now, most of the time I know most baseball players and softball players are pretty much in-season. All the damn time. Yeah, the whole year. They probably get like two weeks off. I don't like that. Yeah. So, you know, you got to keep them in an off season. That's when you really got to be able to know what you need to take care of Mm. and actually do your studying on, you know, who needs what and how you fix that. Um, So my biggest thing is pretty much setting that foundation. This is pretty much with every single athlete that you have. So, you know, the whole they got to learn how to jump. Mm hmm. You gotta learn how to run, mm-hmm. how to push, how to pull. What else? What else we need? Land. Yes. You said jump. Land. I thought you were gonna say land afterwards. Decelerate. 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 Um, scapula engagement. Well, that means pull. that comes with pull. Yeah. Pull. Comes with push too. Breathing. Oh yeah, that's a <laughs> that's actually the big that's a big one right is, there. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, back to what we were saying about the foundation. Um, everything that we talked about right now goes into that so for the for example them running yes they're that's their main movement same thing with pulling a lot of them their shoulders always going forward always going forward always going forward obviously there needs to be some balance yeah that's a lot of road that's a lot of just going in one direction moving whether that's pitching throwing or just hitting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And they tend to, you know, shoulders start going forward. What starts happening is that the dreaded case of every single baseball player is their arm starts hurting, their mm. shoulder starts hurting. Yep. So you need to teach them how to both land and pull. I'll, I'll, I'll get in detail with this. As for landing, so let's say jumps or even running, decelerating, Let's say, let's say, for example, my pitchers. It's a high-intensity activity when they pitch, when they throw. 
what's the first body part that comes in contact with the ground once they throw? Their foot. Yes, exactly. Their foot. It, and again, back to the foundation. Mm-hmm. The foundation starts all the way from the foot all the way up. So it's like it's like yeah. building a house. Yes. What's, what's the first thing you build? You build your flooring. Foundation. Foundation. Well, floor. Yeah, foundation. Yeah, yeah. Floor and foundation. I guess, I guess it's the same thing. Yeah. You have a crappy foundation. Over the years, it starts, the house starts coming down. You start running into problems. So back to what I was saying about their foot landing. If they don't know how to land that foot, something else mm. is going to overcompensate. Because obviously when they throw, when they hit, all the power should be generated from the hips. Yeah. Should be coming from the hips. Let's say somebody doesn't know how to land or they're not strong enough to even handle their body, decelerate their body. Usually in baseball players, the first thing that goes is the arm. Arm. Arm, shoulder that starts hurting. So from what, you, from what you're saying, if I'm going to take this away, if I don't know any better, that if I have an improper landing with my front, so I'm right-handed, so my left foot. The foot is your, yeah, your plantar so foot. my plantar foot coming down. Does that mean, so if I have a horrible landing mechanic, because of that acceleration and that force going forward coming down mm-hmm. that gives me a more I'm more prone to injury in my shoulder yes okay can you break can you can you can you break that down I think that's yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. I think no. that's, that's yeah that's actually interesting I never I mean I've ne- I'm not the greatest base I don't work with too many baseball players yeah. and you already know like I go to you for a lot of my baseball players mm-hmm. and softball players so I think that's going to help me get a better understanding and I'm pretty sure a lot more people are going to want to know so go ahead and break that down so basically how I break this down, how I see it is I'm even taking notes right now. <laughs> going back to the going back to the foundation, you know, if you don't have a good foundation from the from the ground up, yep. everything up top is gonna start crumbling down. What I mean by that is if they if the athlete can't generate power from the hips and can't decelerate it properly, let's put it this way. You have your car, right? You got your brand new sports car of the year, you know, 2019. You could go, what is it? Zero to 120 in about three, four seconds. Am I right? I think so. Let's just say yes. (laughs) At this point, when we're talking about, let's just say yes. Yes. It, It applies. But your brakes are only good up until 60 miles an hour. Are you going to want to go 120 <laughs> miles an hour? No, because you're screwed. Yeah, probably not. That makes sense. Yeah. I got it now. So what happens is that is that, let's say the hip can't turn all the way. It happens a lot. with I see this a lot with all pitchers. All the baseball players that I have is when they throw, they don't open up their foot all the way to basically, let's say I'm throwing at... I'm throwing at home plate. If my foot isn't open all the way to home plate, so my toe pointing to home plate. Yes. My hip isn't allowed to go through the whole motion that it's supposed to. Because you're stopping before that hip follows all the way through. Yes. Let's say your foot ends up pointing at the dugout instead. So, right? Yeah, okay. No one can see, but I'm pointing at the direction. Yes. Pointing diagonally. Yes. Let's put it that way. So basically what happens is that is that, you know, the mechanics isn't the mechanics aren't going aren't functioning, functioning properly. Mm -hmm. 
So something else is going to take the load. The compensation patterns. Yes. What ends up taking the load is the shoulder and sometimes the arm. Obviously, the arm, the elbow is connected to the shoulder. Yep. So if a kid can't land or an athlete can't land correctly, they can't take the load with the glute with usually, let's say, running, landing, jumping. That's the muscle that should be activating the most okay. and taking the load just because it is the biggest muscle in the body. It can handle the load. Mm-hmm. And so if that's not turning on, some again, like we said, it overcompensates and starts going to the shoulders, starts going to the elbow. Damn. So now, so if, if we were to take a few steps back, especially with young pitchers, as I have a high schooler right now who is a pitcher, mm-hmm. and um, his shoulder and elbow has been giving him an issue. And now that you tell me all this, like I have a better, I have a better roadmap as to how to, I mean, take that load off that shoulder and elbow outside of just resting it. Yes. So I think now, I guess another way of how would you go about strengthening that whole shoulder if you can't really heal the shoulder right now due to like you know just throwing in general wear and tear. So would it be best to like go foundation wise, landing mechanics? Mm-hmm. but also teach proper hip engagement shooting through the actual movement itself. So would you do like a lot of single leg workouts to help with that? Yes. Okay. Biggest one that the one that we love over at Creating Monsters is the single leg split squat. Ooh, yeah. The foot elevated back. You know, you could use anything, a bench, a chair. And what we also do is we do a lot of eccentric. So which mm-hmm. means taking a longer time lowering the body just because that imitates the whole process of your body absorbing force yeah that's when your body can absorb the most force now if obviously they, the athlete can't control that he's gonna have trouble on the field where something starts overcompensating okay that makes perfect sense at the same time you have to look at the position of the of the shoulder mm-hmm. so if the shoulder is forward shoulders start coming forward you know that whole slouch position because nowadays kids Slouch. always on the floor. I'm on my phone all the, all the time too. I do it. I'm I'm guilty of it too. Me too. I'm bad. I catch myself. Um, I'm bad at that. Yeah, we'll be in the facility and sometimes what will force is you see someone slouching, pinch the hell out of them. That's smart. I'm gonna start doing that in my my spot. Just like you're slouching, <laughs> I'm gonna pinch you. So easily they start thinking, oh, shoulders back. The whole reason behind that is that when the shoulders are forward the pec minor or we could just keep it general the pec starts getting tight it starts pulling on the shoulder the pec minor for those who just to give a better understanding it's the muscle literally connecting right from the shoulder in the chest right yes so the pec minor is connected to the bicep tendon so if a better way to describing it for those who are at home lift up your arm and then go to your shoulder and just go a little slightly down and then that muscle that muscle right there yeah, and you can, yep. feel, you can feel the, the tightness of it. Yep, exactly. A lot of people, I mean, it's not just baseball players. It's everybody, everybody, daily life, tends to not have the best posture. So all those things start happening where the shoulder gets tight. At the same time, I'm sorry, not the shoulder. The pec minor pec. starts getting tight. And then that just pulls on everything else. Yes. That yeah. causes it. I think I'm even dealing with some uh, issues with my chest and basketball and shooting. And just dealing with hip issues too. Yeah, because remember, when you're shooting, your shoulders are going forward. 
If you keep it back, you're gonna be a little bit too stiff. Yeah, because you gotta, you have to kind of just. Yeah, because if you're back, if you're attracting the whole time, that's true. Wow. Renato's trying to do the shoot and melt shit. I'm sorry. Yes, you can't watch it. No, I know. I wish, it. damn, you <laughs> watched me doing some awkward movements right now. That's why I was pointing at the dugout, but I was like, there's no camera right now. So I'm just over here pointing. That's why I'm trying to describe like where your pec miner is at, just so you can know. And use your imagination. <laughs> It'll work. It'll work. So again, um, shoulder coming forward, pec miner's tight. If a muscle... I, I go back to one of uh, one of the strength coaches I look up to, Joe DeFranco. I'm always listening to the podcast. We got that. That's idea. Good. Yeah. Let's just say Joe. Shout out to Joe DeFranco. So he, one of his podcasts, he said. Which episode? No, you're not stalking like that. that oh, one, man. man. I, I forgot that one. I hope we can make it to episode. I mean, yeah. Shout out to, this is a plug for Joe DeFranco. Go check his podcast out. Um, if you're anybody who's a strength and conditioning person or just want a deeper understanding of where we get a lot of just our insight from, he, he's a guru. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he he's had a bunch of years under his belt, work with almost every sport you could think of. Very smart mm-hmm. guy. Very smart Very. guy. Anyways, it, he said that if some a muscle on the backside isn't activating something else on the front side is going to start taking the load whether it be a muscle it'd be a joint and now let's relate this back to the shoulder what slows the arm down when an athlete is throwing is a lack is it because of lack of range of motion and stiffness and tightness or just an activation so because the because the, um, the pec is tight it's pulling on it which is taking the load right yeah but instead the lat should be taking the load because it's it's that that makes sense. It's the muscle that keeps the shoulder back. Yes. So I mean, you start thinking about it, the whole military posture. To a point, it actually does work. It, it makes sense just because your lats activated. You feel shoulders that. aren't yeah. Shoulders aren't hunched forward. Obviously, a lot of people have uh, feel like upper I'm just back flexing my back hard. <laughs> a lot of people that have upper back problems. Literally, most of them just need to get their shoulders back. And that's just being conscious and mindful. Just literally retract. Yes, and you exactly. Can, even you, sh- I think even people at home, like even if you, ju- you check it out yourself, like just sit down and keep that chest up and just pull your shoulder blades back and retract your shoulders. You could you could see like you could tell when sometimes, you know, your shoulder or just rotating over. Just you can feel that difference in that in that retraction and that scapula engagement and all that good stuff. Yes, sir. Don't be lazy. It's, it's 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 weird because a lot of people always like you have you look like you got taller talking to me and I'm like I don't know if I got taller but I just been doing a lot of gut smashing and just loosening up my shoulders and just letting everything just be free range of motion and yeah. not so tight. But no, now, no, now that you brought up gut smashing, well, let, let's explain it to everybody that you know is listening to our podcast just because we know what it is, oh, just man. other people don't know. How do how did you explain how would I explain gut smashing? Um, I just pretty much uh, I I'm gonna sum it up real quick because this is just a hard question to answer. And that's not hard. It's just I I'm not the expert when it comes to this. But from my understanding, gut smashing because I foam roll do a lot of release therapy on my body. Uh, obviously the main muscle groups, you know, calves, your hamstrings, glutes, upper body, chest, lower back. But we don't spend time releasing the abdominal wall. Yes, and allowing the there's so much there the central nervous system now lately i've been taking it by myself and actually really 
trying to get a deeper understanding of the central nervous system, parasympathetic, all that sympathetic stuff. It's, it's deep. And then you understand how certain athletes are able to go to a certain level of just being so still and all that madness. And I think a lot has to not I don't think I'm realizing a lot has to do with our gut and how we are in our abdominal stomach, especially our stomach and our digestive tract. If that area is clear and loose and tight, you don't have to worry about your psoas, especially the psoas, the muscle right there. You don't have to worry about that being so tight and just with that being stiff and tight, it's pulling downwards already too, right? So now when we loosen that up, you open everything else up and it's uncomfortable laying yeah. on a ball. Well, I mean, you could think of it this way too. It's it's tight, so it's going to be pulling both downwards and, and upwards. upwards. As for upwards towards your lower body, so your hips. Because that's the only muscle that's actually, con the psoas is the only muscle that's connected both up and lower. Yes. Yeah, and it's actually tugging on the, the what muscle, what bone right here? I don't, is it that, I don't know, I don't know the bones too well. Uh, femur? Femur, yeah, the femur and your, femur and the lower abdom, lower ab, ribs? No. No, you, I'm ribs off. are up top. You're, oh yeah, you are. <laughs> Might need to cut that out. No, nah, just leave it. Leave it. I'm not. I'm, I'm not the skeletal person, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's just I'm not gonna hide from that. I do need to brush up on bones, but you get what I'm saying. But so it's so loosen that up. It's a good point that you point that out. It'll help loosen up the top and the bottom. Yes, and that makes perfect sense because now we're pulling on both bottom and top. So now you're gonna be already hunched over even more. And if you have a lot of lower back pain, it does help release a lot of that tension in the lower back because now. Your abdominal wall. I mean, your abs are literally connected. The front and everything's tight. So if your abdominal wall is tight, your chest and your shoulders, everything is just going to be centered in the lower area. Now, from another athlete's perspective, if your core is tight and not loose, your, your range of motion is going to be off. Being able to move certain directions won't be as smooth as you would like it because it's all stiff and tight. Yes. So gut smashing is... Um, it really opens up the muscles all around the front side, which pretty much takes care of the rest of the body because if mm -hmm. the front side again if the front side is tightened up it's really hard for you to rotate kind of backpedal just oh, trying to go back yes because everything's just so tight and pulling down and pulling up at the same time but how I missed a few points for the gut smashing anything you want to add on to that we do a gut smash is just pretty much putting it simply is you know you could use a like a slam ball, the medicine balls that don't bounce. Yeah. Or the, any sort of ball that's big enough that has a little bit of cushion. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. you don't want something that's super stiff and hard that's just going to dig into your stomach. Mm -hmm. Basically, what you could do is set the ball down on the floor. So let's say, for example, we'll use the slam ball as an ex yeah. example. Set the ball on the floor. Literally lay on the ball where your stomach is. Obviously, you're going to find a couple spots around your abs or stomach that are going to feel tight. So just like, you know, if you're rolling regularly, like your calves, quads, upper back, chest, you're going to feel that same feeling. So what we usually do is we inhale for five seconds, hold it for five, exhale for five, hold it again. That way, your stomach is expanding against the ball, putting pressure, and it starts loosening up all the muscle fibers right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how would you describe the feeling of it? Because there's been time. The other day, I'm just going to say it, I had a little accident, 
not not like through the rear end, but I felt you know, kind of urinated Pressure. a little bit. Pre- I urinated a little bit. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it out. There. I'm gonna leave this on there. Um, like yeah, I, I guess I mean it is. Our intestines are being impacted slightly. Yeah, I mean I get again um, the firmness of whatever you're using mm-hmm. could have an impact on what you feel. Yes, so, that's true. For example, like what you what you use. Um, it's a slam ball. Slam ball. How how heavy? But it was actually it was um, it was not it was not one with sand. It was actually it was a bounce ball, but it was a oh, six yeah. pound weighted one. So it had a lot more give than a twelve pounder. It's still gonna the outside. It was the rubber ones. Yeah, right? yeah. It still has. That's not as much give. Huh? Yeah, it's not not enough give. Oh, that's probably yeah, why. Then. That's yeah. Don't use the rubber ones. Nah, <laughs> use the ones that actually have sand. <laughs> that's what happens if you don't. Yeah, you got you got to make sure you, there's some give in it. But it's um it's a life changing experience. Um, I've done it. I don't. I do at least one day, once a day. Uh, preferably be especially when I'm playing basketball before I play basketball. Yeah. It's it's an interesting feeling when you when you know that you're when you're, you're everything's just tense because basketball or just being an athlete in general those movements you're always hinging you're always jumping, always landing always doing some move intense movement. Now doing that I've honestly have no back pain to really? very very minimal yeah to none at all like I'll wake up and obviously I'll still. You know, I'll still feel my back being tight, but mm-hmm. since I've been doing it, I think it's been like every single day, even the days I don't work out. Like today, I'm not working out today. Um, I'll go home when I have like when I'm at the house for like five, three minutes. I'm doing barely doing three minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just lay on it for like three minutes. Before it was only like a minute, like 10, 20 second thing. Oh, yeah. Very no. discomforting. But since I've been, I think I'm uh, going on two weeks of doing it every day, mm-hmm. and it's a big difference. Like my yeah. my my back feels great, um my uh, my my abs look different. Start get that six pack. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I, I mean I've always had a six pack, but now it's like it's a it's a you my lower abdominal wall looks more popped out, like like the last two. Yeah, so it doesn't feel as compressed. It doesn't look as compressed, right? Oh my god, that's right. true. I mean, I am getting taller. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just decompressing my body like I was. <laughs> But no, okay. I think with the with the baseball, we left off on single leg split squats. Now I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah, you, go you, you guys, I think it's called the SBD bar. The, the safety bar? safety squat bar. Yeah, SSB. SSB. Yes. Oh, I was told off. Um, now when you do when you do your split squats, do you use that bar? Or do you prefer the shape bar? We don't use a bar for it. Oh, okay. We so again going back to the foundation, we tend to use a weight vest. Okay. If the athlete can handle it, let's say an athlete's a little bit younger, they could only handle body weight. Mm-hmm. Just because, again, if they can't handle their own body weight, how are they going to be able to handle a bar? So, in in other words, this is one thing that I learned when I started going when I uh, went over to creating monsters. This was one of the mistakes I made was that oh. The, every athlete needs bar work, no. deadlift, you know, trap bar deadlift, squat, front squat. Um, they need a load of bar no matter what. At the same time, if an athlete doesn't know how to move, let's say a lunge without any, without any external weight, or let's say even something as simple as a squat, 
you're just going to be adding load to dysfunction which mm-hmm. is going to make which is just going to make the problem even worse because you're teaching bad mechanics so for example let's say i have a i have an athlete that we're doing jumps with if let's say for example i put a bar on his back hey you have to jump with the bar i could do just empty bar jump with the bar and you have to land with it but the athlete doesn't know how to land so you know whenever they land on the floor instead of pushing pushing their hips back driving their knees out Mm -hmm. landing you know in an athletic position they start you know knees cave in hip shifts one way uh feet rotate out way too much Mm -hmm. that's a dysfunction yeah again with bars 45 pounds you're adding load to dysfunction which is gonna it's gonna keep going keep happening i'm gonna use that term adding load to dysfunction i like that load a lot i like that load now i like that phrase (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm taking that and i'm gonna use that a lot with my kids yeah so uh, going back to foundation is they have to be able to handle their basic body weight or maybe just a little bit of external weight so the weight vests that we use are probably no more than 20 pounds and i like the weight vest idea better because it, it takes off the, the them having to it makes it more focusing on just moving rather than oh i have weight on my shoulders now i gotta worry about holding this weight up now or if it's even dumbbells yeah being able to sustain that it's more natural yeah and it teaches you to stay in a pattern and then like you said once you get that pattern down uh, that functionality versus dysfunctionality you add weight to the functionality it's going to give you the result you need versus the dysfunctionality yeah. So what I was saying about, you know, athletes always needing a bar to be able to get stronger at the same time. Look at how an athlete is playing a sport. They're not going to bring out a bar. No. Onto the field, onto the track, onto the court. They don't always need just that stimulus. No. Let's say a barbell or trap bar, safety squat bar, whatever you have. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to need to learn how to move naturally. Yep. So let's say you have a kid that needs to slow down. There's a, you know, he's playing football. He needs to slow down. Obviously, he's not going to put his hands behind his back like he has a he has a, a bar on his back. And someone cuts on him and he's just going to squat down like that. <laughs> you get me? He No, he needs to learn how to stop, decelerate, and go from there that's true it's just an awkward positioning that makes total sense it has to be applicable to the actual movement on the field yes 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 man no that just gives me another i mean it make it it you like i'm a you're aware of it but then when you get that breaking down in a different scenario like makes like it's like you're mind blown but you're not but it's just so simplified but it makes total sense yes yes again once you build that foundation now you could start using other forms of resistance to help them out being able to get stronger. So, for example, you teach a an athlete how to jump and lo- and land. Basically, when you talk about running, it's a lot of single leg jumps yep. repeatedly yep. because they're pushing they're pushing away the ground. Yes. Usually, athletes there's there's a difference. There's uh, acceleration when you're running and then there's top speed when you're accelerating mm-hmm. 
chest is at an angle, 45 degree angle. You're pushing back the ground, which is you're trying to pick up. Yeah. You're trying to pick up speed, right? And then top speed is to a point where you're running. You can't keep your chest down anymore. It's very hard for you to push back the ground. And it's your feet are more out of cycling motion. Yes. Most athletes never hit that top speed. They don't. They, they don't hit the top speed in mechanics. They're always trying to, what, gain ground, gain right? Gain ground, yeah. So teach somebody how to jump and they're going to learn how to run. It's that much simpler. Now, the same thing, if you teach a, if you teach an athlete how to retract their shoulders, so scaps going back, shoulders going back, good posture. Let's say doing a push-up and holding the bottom position for three seconds or holding rows, you know, for a given amount of time. Now put that together, the whole the hips going back when they're when they're jumping, landing, and then the whole scapular retraction, their shoulders going back. What can you do with that? Start having them you, you could you could progress it onto a deadlift. I was just going to say Trap bar deadlift. deadlift. So hips, again, hips go back. Feet planted on the floor. Man. Shoulders go back. They need to generate force from the foot, right? And it's got to go up. It's simple. You could just build off of that. But then again, you need that foundation. You can't just jump into it. Nope. That was that was, that was great because I felt like we just went over a full-on how, how, to, how to prepare someone to deadlift or any type of movement. Yeah. Wow. That was great. Or same thing. I say a back squat. The back squat. Shoulders. Too. Shoulders, shoulders got to be intact. Push the hips back. Drive the knees out. Same thing. Easy. Nice. But again, you have every athlete's different. Some some athletes don't get it on the first try. They need a couple more. Oh yeah, that's that's the part of the practice application part. This all sounds all great on paper, but then it's like teaching kids how to, they, especially hinging, all of that. That's yeah. like that's a whole other mission. Yeah, it's like you can know the whole, you can know the whole book from the beginning to the end, but if you can't teach a ten-year-old kid how to squat, how to push their hip back or jump, it doesn't mean anything. That's true. You gotta be able to teach everybody, kid and getting um grown-ass people um okay wait we just talked about legs and how to, what else okay so i guess we could talk about upper body for the for the strengthening for baseball players yeah baseball and softball players i think you really did a good job of like yeah the basic, i think if sing, start isometric single leg stuff if you, when you train first when you train your kids and obviously base any athlete spends majority of their time on one foot one leg yes so when you go into teaching, especially like, let's just stick to baseball players and softball players. Now, do you always go isometric before anything else? Or do you just start with both feet on the ground? It's eccentric to isometric. Okay. They, they need to be able to learn how to slow their body down under tension, mm -hmm. body weight, uh, for their example. Then from there you go isometric. Okay. Just because when, you know, when, let's say lowering a, to put it in simpler terms, lowering a bench press, mm -hmm. you could probably load up 400 pounds on that bar, no matter what your. Let's not let's not go that far. We we could say 200 pounds. Oh, so let's just say 200. Yeah, pounds. let's say 200 pounds on the bar. Of course, you can control it on the way down. You could do you know it could take you four seconds to bring it down to your chest. Yep. 
And of course, you could hold it onto you could hold it at your chest right there, the isometric action, yes. where it just stays still. But can you push it back up? That's a whole nother story. Yeah. So obviously, the body is the body is able to load more eccentrically going down than putting back up. Putting back up. Yes. Okay. That's total sense. I'm, I don't. And this is stuff like I, it's good hearing it because you you. You're aware, you see it, but then now when you put it to terms and apply it to the athlete and the way of training, it just makes everything like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense and why everything works and why certain things don't work. Exactly. How about now upper body? How would you go about, because like we just got, we shoulder retraction. Now how would you, how would you go about getting shoulders retracted? Now we want to talk about getting the back and everything stronger. Yeah. So there's certain like holds, like you know, you do a lot of rubber bands. The back dynamic work that you told me about, yeah. I do that a lot. Um, I do a lot of scapular retraction with band work, mm-hmm. teaching kids to pull that back and push ups properly going down, yeah. retracting that shoulder blade. Um, what else? What else? Do when there's farmer walks now. What I saw this on um, by a, I don't know his name, strength and conditioning coach. Um, pretty very knowledgeable guy, great knowledgeable guy. But then he talked about how. Normally, we think of uh, farmer walks as uh, posture, yes, versus an actual strength training of work. how much how much weight you could hold. Right? Yeah, versus I think I don't yeah. know if you saw that or seen. Yeah, it. no, I well I've seen it with a couple other videos, YouTube videos, and stuff like that. I've seen it in the gym too. I've you know I've been uh, guilty of doing that before mm. when I first started. You know, farmer walks holding two weight, or you could hold one weight or two weights. It's going to be in both hands, and you're just walking with it. You're trying to build grip strength. Now, what you need to do with that is that if you have an athlete that's doing a farmer walk, they need to be able to bring their shoulders back, retract their shoulders Mm -hmm. to activate the lat, just because, again, going back, if you have a bad foundation, everything else starts crumbling down. The whole foundation of keeping their shoulders back is so the shoulder doesn't go forward. The pec doesn't start tightening it up, Mm -hmm. which starts putting load on the shoulder and the elbow. So that's working as a strength thing for both grip and being able to have your shoulders back under load. Or, for example, when you start getting tired. So it's like pitchers or any sort of overhead athlete start throwing 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 and start getting tired right they should be able to still retract their shoulders activate everything on the back side so the muscles muscles and joints on the front side are taking the load that makes sense i like farmer walks a lot one of my favorite workouts uh especially just any well all my athletes farmer walks i think it's good and then offset farmer walks um do you do um What's the one where you go well, overhead? Overhead, and then the, do you ever do the overhand and down here, where you have overhead dumbbell, kettlebell, then a uh, dumbbell. Then one on the on the other hand. Yeah, on the ground. I haven't yet. I like it. Yeah. Core. I feel a lot in my yeah. core. Being able to stabilize here. I don't do it with all my athletes though. More of my other high school kids that I know can yeah. hold that weight over yeah. without. Yeah, without without struggling with it. Exactly. That again. I mean, going back foundation. Foundations yep. key. Foundations key. Younger athletes need a little bit more of that. Yeah, a lot more, especially this this next wave of athletes. They're doing it. I think is 
the kids aren't outside as much as they once were. Oh no. So no, now no, if you no, get, no, no, no. do you you work with any nine year olds or no? What's the youngest kids I you work with? I have ten year olds, uh, and I have a couple eleven year olds. Do you see the well when you have them run? Are they good at running? A couple of them, yes. Just because the parents actually let them have like their playtime outside, let them you know play sports. Do all that instead of staying home, just playing video games. Now, those same kids that are good at running, do they do they have a hard time with the basic squatting? No. Oh, no? Okay. Actually, no, 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 no. I mean... It... Some of the kids I work with, they have a lot of brain fart moments. No, some... <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be... Hey, Jordan, there's going to be two parts we're going to have to have you cancel out. Maybe three. Maybe three. I'm trying. He stopped. I try to keep it going, but he. I was like, ah. All right. Let me know when you're ready. <laughs> yeah, keep it going. I was gonna talk about just. Huh? Um, I was gonna mention about how a lot of young kids don't have the um proper mecha- they because they're not out and about. They don't have. We have to spend more time with the foundation work. Yeah, and then we could probably just go for it. Yeah, so, I mean, usually I don't have a problem with the kids that are out and about playing around just because, I mean, let's say going back to, like, playgrounds, hanging off the jungle gym, the monkey bars, grip strength, kind of forces their shoulders back. Uh, That's true. Which could play a part into, let's say, like, pull-ups, you know, upper body strength, push-ups, all that basic. And then also if they... They're continually running. At one point, they're going to start thinking, oh, there's a way to run faster. There's a way for me to kind of make this a little bit smoother. Yep. Which they start figuring out. It's okay. I, I could do this and it feels a little bit better. Let's say, for example, their arm motion, make sure that arm motion is correct. Or, you know, as a kid, oh, you got to pick up your knees more. Like little stuff like that. Or the same thing, like, I saw this a lot with uh, a couple months ago. I was like watching a couple kids skateboarding. And I was like, when you're balancing on a skateboard, you got to push your hips back, right? Yeah. So you got to hinge, which that teaches you how to hinge. If you if you're straight up, you're going to have a, you know, you're going to have a very hard time trying to balance on the skateboard unless you're like coasting, right? Oh man, you just real uh, skaters have are very athletic athletic background right yeah because you have to be able to stand on one foot pedal on the opposite uh-huh. foot squat down jump kick your foot out and land at the same time yeah i never really i i never was a hardcore skater i mean i had a skateboard for transportation i could hit an ollie i could drive i could go down a little little bowl when i was like, younger yeah but you never i never realized till now like all that went into that movement yeah. Of just kicking a damn skateboard. Yeah, so it's like different, different stuff like that plays into, plays into the fact of, I mean, kids don't play anymore. They don't. Kids don't go outside. They're not on skateboards. They're not on bikes. They're not, you know, hanging off jungle gyms. And I don't see kids climbing trees anymore. Oh, climb trees it builds character, especially when you fall. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, speaking of a jungle gym, this I remember this day. I was uh, 12 or something, and we we're at church with my dad. It was on a Sunday, and um, we're in the jungle gym, 
and for some reason I'm hanging on and I slip. Yeah. My back, my lower, my mid back went straight on the bars. Oh. And my body went. Oh. I was crying. It was oh, pretty bad. Yeah, it was bad. Like, I was like, <gasps> I couldn't breathe. That was a horrible experience as a young child. Monkey bars have not been the jungle bars have not been the same since then. I mean, pull ups and all that stuff, but like going and like just trying to have fun. Yeah. I don't think I'm scarred from that anymore, but just thinking about that, like you said, monkey bars, I was like, ooh, at one time I fell. Yeah. But that's a good that's a good comparison because we without us even knowing as a young age the, all the movements we did whether that be climbing trees whether that be you know pulling doing pull-ups whether that be jumping were you did you ever have that phase when well you play basketball so you had to do this it was like when you were walking underneath the door and you try to jump and touch yeah 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 always had like, to touch the top of the door you always had to touch the top of yeah. the door when you're young, you're just like, it's the thing. You just had, you had to touch it. You had to jump and touch it. Like, I still do it. You walk into a parking lot. You know how it says, like, it has those little signs that are kind of oh, yeah. up. And it just tells you, like, where to park, where, mm-hmm. you know, exit and stuff like that. And you're, like, walking around. I was like, you have to jump up and touch yeah, it. Yeah, have to jump and touch it. I mean, now that, now that I'm a little bit taller, I don't have to jump. I just he have just to reach up. He just goes on his tippy toes and, like, yeah. I touched it. No, you still got to jump. No, um, no. Baseball, softball, how would, so baseball and softball, how would, no, let's get a little specific. What about when it comes to, like, catchers? A lot of, how would you go about, because that's a lot of, just in that positioning itself. A lot of ankle mobility. I mean, they're always in a a crouching position, always, like, sitting down. Obviously, ankle mobility, hip mobility, and also, I mean, strength with it too so squats are great deep squats um gotta let's say they have a some sort of uh, ankle problem you gotta take care of that quick just because again from the foundation the foot's the foundation they're already in a position that you're they're using it so much mm-hmm. you're loading dysfunction again if you can't if you can't take care of it if they do, they can't get down in a comfortable position, loading found it the loading dysfunction on that. I mean, at the same time, also I saw this a lot with my catchers is that when they, let's say, someone at first base is stealing the second, most of the time they're not allowed to step. So it's literally just their shoulder going forward when they throw. They're not allowed. They can't step just because it's a quick motion, right? Oh, okay. They don't. They don't have like, the time to take that big step out and throw to throw. So it's a lot of just all shoulders. Yes, it's a, it's a lot of stress Ouch. on the shoulders. So that's why you have to do a lot more posterior work. Okay. So backside, backside rows, rows. chin ups, pull ups, simple stuff like that. Okay. So baseball now, baseball players. Since we're on the topic of baseball players, a lot more back movement. Yes. More back dominant than actually pushing. More pulling than pushing. Yes. A lot more pulling. I mean, this is this is pretty much for every, any sort of athlete. You know, as it is, posture is not too big with a lot of athletes mm-hmm. or a lot of kids, people in general. You always have to do, I kind of keep this as a template for mine when I'm making my programs. We always do double the amount of let's say rowing pulling movements than pushing makes total sense yes just because if your back's not strong enough you're gonna start running into a lot of shoulder problems even if even if for somebody who want a stronger chest or bench press 
having a stronger back oh yeah gives you a lot stronger push on yes. the bench yes because that's what controls the bar yep. you can't you can't squeeze your shoulders back with the heavy load what makes you think you control it on the way up exactly have a strong back everybody strong back strong foundation anything you want to add more anything more for this topic uh conditioning stop running poles no no more running poles baseball is a high intensity sport it's quick sprints yeah quick sprints enough rest like uh we do this with our conditioning too whenever we start off it's we do some sort of interval work where they do 10 seconds of work Mm -hmm. 20 second rest just because how i base this how i kind of went off of this is let's say i'm you know there's a pitcher throws a ball throws a strike the catcher throws the ball back to him and then he's getting ready for another throw what's the time period on that about 20, 20 25 seconds. seconds right and now we're using those 10 seconds of straight work to be the same as a high intensity throw every throw is going to be high intensity even if you let's say you're throwing a curveball it's not like they're just going to ease up on it way too much to the point that they don't start getting tired right exactly so we use that as our sort of conditioning so whenever they're on the field it's the same time intervals and they feel comfortable throwing more hitting more um just because they are conditioned for that yeah now if let's say you're running poles running miles it's it's just a long time period of running which makes no sense because that's not what you do in baseball you don't you don't run for more than on that like the living like a, a out a outfield they probably will run the longest yeah and that's not even that long longest playing baseball was what was it i believe it was about 17 seconds yeah longest playing baseball there's i saw a video a couple weeks ago and they posted it and longest playing baseball was 17 seconds and so i mean what's the point of having somebody run longer than that there's none. It, it, then that you you you're being you're being counter uh, defective, counter effective, whatever I'm trying to say. Counter effective. Yeah, you're defeating the whole purpose. Yes. You're, you're exactly. gonna you're gonna take an athlete who you want to work on his quick A to B, getting there as fast as possible. Now, if you're having him do poles or anything over 17 seconds, you're def- you're not training him properly. You're not equipping him with the right tools to be successful to get a shortstop. It's quick, boom, quick burst yep. to that ball. Now you're having them do all these long distance sprints to condition him, or not even sprints, just conditioning drills. You don't, you're not getting his muscle fibers, anything that needs to be engaged properly to make that quick move. So it's like it's like training a, it's like training a baseball player to be a cross country runner. It doesn't make sense. That scares me. Yeah, it doesn't don't make do sense. that. Does not make sense. Does not at um, all. I mean, I think now that we're in the topic of that conditioning, proper conditioning, yeah. Keep going with the conditioning. Yeah, so I got another, we got another. uh, We appreciate all of this this feedback from you guys a lot. So we got another question about are the old school (gasps) coaches thought of conditioning? I saw this a lot with, I actually had a football player a couple weeks ago. Um. You know, we were training and he's like, hey, coach, like my coach over at my high school gave me my training packet of what I what I have to do over the summer. I mean, 
me doing my job, I have to make sure that load and intensity is always optimal for them. We're not, obviously we're not pushing them too hard to the point of exhaustion mm-hmm. to where they actually start their, uh, their abilities start going down rather than them getting better at their given sport. And I mean, this kind of really, I kind of, I didn't flip out, but I got pretty mad about it was that his first, you know how they give you the, you know, your conditioning tests and stuff. So you had to do this every Monday and Wednesday after his lift. He was Monday and to, Wednesday? Monday and Wednesday for after his lift for uh, conditioning. Okay. What it was, was the first one was... Do I want to know? You're going to have to know anyways. I'm going to say it. I believe it was 14 40-yard sprints, which he had to run in under 4.5 seconds. And he had a 45-second 45, 45 rest. Wait, okay. Say that again. So it was 14 40-yard sprints. Okay. He had to run for, sprint 40, 40 yards 40 times or 14 times in under 4.5 seconds. I hope he gets four a scholarship. A four and a half seconds. Mind you, he he is one of the faster guys, but at the same time, there is no way as uh-huh. a high school freshman that you are going to be running a 4.540. If you are, man, if if he was, I wouldn't be here. I was I would be his agent. Over in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. He already he better already have a con yeah. he better be signed. And this is this is from a this is from a coach, a high school coach that, you know, is trusted with athletes development. I mean 14, even it, just 1440s, it's but then putting the 4.5? Yes. That's nah, no. <laughs> yeah. So I told him, I kinda I saw it, I laughed, and he's like, oh, like what's wrong with it? And I basically just told him, like, dude, whenever we work with our combine players for the NFL, they do 12, anywhere from 18 to 12 weeks of worth of work just to run a 40-yard dash under, let's say, a good one is probably under 4.6 seconds. Yeah. This is... This is the cream of the crop, the best of the best. And you're saying 4.5 under every single time. Yes. Like these are these are our, the 1% of the sport that yet a high school coach wants a high school freshman to run this run this given time that's less than a pro a pro guy, pro football, pro football player. It really just doesn't make sense. Oh, and and the other thing, forty-five second rest. Now, whenever whenever the NFL guys are running their forties, you give them how long? Two minutes? More? No, more than that? Five? Yeah, around five. Anywhere from five to like seven minutes of rest, just doing absolutely nothing, nothing. so they're ready for the next one. Uh, they'll do like a couple like warm ups like in between, just to just keep to them move, going. Just keep yeah, them just going. to keep them going. But nothing max effort. Yeah, it was max effort fourteen times on forties. Is this that's like how weak? Yeah, and he was supposed to do this by himself, and it's like there's no way you're no. able to do this. Now again, like I said, he's one of the fast. He's one of the faster kids on the team. He 
Now, I started thinking about what about our bigger guys, the linemen? They all had the same workout. I asked a couple of the other kids on the team. They all had the same workout. And, you know, the big guys, I, I love my big guys, linemen. And I asked them, like, hey, do you guys think you could do this? They're like, no. Like, Are you going to do it? No, it doesn't make sense. And so, like, even you guys know that it doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't a grown, I don't I don't know how old the coach is. I don't know who the coach but is. He has there. to be a grown man. Yes. How is a coach not able to know the difference between conditioning and just having them do something that they're not going to be able whole, to do? Defeats, defeats the whole purpose. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, old school thought of conditioning is, going back to what we were saying, old school kind of thought of conditioning is kind of just think about how am I going to kill this athlete today? And it, and, it, and it's it's the mindset of pushing you to that barrier just to make you that much better. And, and I, there's the time and a place for that kind yes. of idea. Yes. Because I, I think you need, you need you need to test the athlete the mentality of pushing them through beyond but it's not an everyday thing yeah and then the way of conditioning it's it's it was it was there there's a book there's a i don't know his name track coach he's out in the east coast um his method is called feeding the cats uh-huh now when you think of track and field even football football has that idea of conditioning yeah. like you know can football players that condition even basketball players when they go on the track and have oh, to yeah. run a mile in this point in time indian runs yeah all that yeah. crazy stuff it's I mean, if it's punishment, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, is, is it, it's counterproductive because you're defeating the whole purpose of going from A to B as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. So with track, he was saying, and I experienced this being a track runner and now being a track coach. Um, when a lot, especially the, when I ran track at Mount Sac, when we had to run the 400 hurdles, we had to do 600 repeats with like four or five hurdles set up. Ooh. It was insane. Yeah. It was torture. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was in the best shape of my life, but I remember when I was a senior in high school, we had a new coach that came in and they run us they ran us our junior year. Mm-hmm. Going into my junior year summer it was horrible because it was a lot of just conditioning. Like conditioning. Senior year transition to senior year, it was more sprinting. Yes. And then they said the biggest understanding was between they they felt because we were so conditioning that our top speed slacked because now we're not pushing that top speed anymore we're just pushing a very a being minimal, able to hold it yes being able to hold it for a long distance period yeah. now same thing with the 400 hurdles going back to that i was in great shape but i wasn't getting faster yes because i was in good shape at that speed but i wasn't working on how can i go from a to b fast it was more of the whole track at a maintained speed which makes sense because if if you're able to maintain a good speed you yeah. could get there but then you defeat the whole purpose of just getting a to b faster so i think going about what you said the old way of conditioning i think it's i think you're changing it there's a lot of people who are they're doing conditioning where and this makes i like this where they go on the field on the football field they'll attach a sled or something they'll push for only 10 yards yeah quick go we have a group of five or six people next person go go and it's true because now going back to what you said about baseball we can even say football um football an average play i don't know how long is average play no more than 10 seconds exactly. that's a long that's a long play football too. play 
that's an extra running back breaking out of the second level yes. going for a touchdown. Exactly. Now, if we realize that, why are we running, especially linemen? Yeah. If they're, I think, 10 to 15 yard sprints, probably might be ideal. I don't think yeah. beyond that, it's torture to them. Yeah. And if you know, and if I knew as a, if I knew, uh, if I wanted, if I'm a coach and I, well, I mean, if I'm a head coach and I knew that I want my athletes to be great for me, I won't, I won't force them beyond what needs to be done. We only need to do A, B, and C today. Yeah. Let's get that done. Where today's purpose is let's condition, but let's get quality reps of conditioning. Yeah. Let's, let's go from, let's go 10 to 15 yards, hard sprints. Good recovery. Quality over quantity. Yes. And I think with the old school way of doing things, it was just quality. Yeah. Going, get things done. Gasters. Like the idea of gasters is just, I there's there's point where we have to do that. Like I, I'm not taking away from the idea of gasters, running pools. Like there's a, there's a certain time. But if it's, if it's I'm pissed off, I'm going to make you guys run. Yeah, I'm having run, a bad day. Yeah. Then don't do that. You yeah. ruin it. It. First of all, it makes the sport unenjoyable for whoever you're working with. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's like, you might as well go ahead, coach some cross-country runners. Because that's what they need. I don't even know how cross-country runners do it. I don't know. Um, that, the whole runner's high? Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that. I've, I I know that feeling. I remember yeah. when um sophomore to junior year, I lost, I think, 15 to 20 pounds Jesus. in the summer. Yeah. And it was running. I even got to a point where I just two weeks into running every day on that third day week after that it was just your mind goes blank yeah you don't and think you, about you it you don't think about it and it's just it's like a meditative state yeah you're just there going and you're just, but, you're just but you're not going high intensity though, you're, oh right? no you're not oh no you're not yeah. you're just you're you're moving at a calm distance speed like you're not moving fast and yeah. I realized that I was really lightweight but my speed was off because I was, I had mileage, but I didn't have ten meter sprints. Yeah. It wasn't your intent on it. No, no, it wasn't. It was yeah. just I was, I would, My intent was to lose all that weight. Yeah. Because I needed, I was getting, because trying to go football, basketball, and track from three so, freshman year, my sophomore year, to all those from football, gain weight, basketball, lose a little bit of weight, yeah. track season, get get skinny, get yeah. thin. It was so unhealthy. <laughs> It was bad, dude. It was horrible. It was, <laughs> was crazy. nasty. But I think old school ways of conditioning. And then I think with um I think what's great nowadays is with, with a lot of social media, you get to see a lot of other trainers how they go about it. And we have a lot we have there's there's things that work that aren't backed by science, and there's things that work to the T that are backed by science. Yes. And I think a lot of we're getting more we're getting more um tech savvy with training now um being able to register data being able just because before like i mean i don't we i don't have the funds to be able to buy like those omni wave stuff yeah but i would love like the uh, velocity based training oh man i'm I'm looking for uh, the day i could the day i could give that to uh, my kids it'd be awesome it's gonna be awesome because now it's we have to do it from an outside perspective yeah. of a coaching eye. Now, some of us yeah. have a great eye for that, where you could tell an athlete is gassed off the yeah. bat by their body language, or you you could tell they're just not putting in that effort we yeah. want. 
And I think when you're able to measure that on a scale, like a legit scaling, yeah. I think it's going to be different. And they're even making a, the old school, because we were talking about old school stuff. They're saying, I forgot where, I think, was it um. What's that show on TV where they have the the sport um, where they measure like everybody's sprinting and stuff? Like it's on ESPN um, now. Sports science. Sports science. Yeah, I think it was sports science where they're saying is are athletes getting faster or is it the conditioning for that sport getting the equipment for that sport getting better? Yeah, more advanced. Right? More advanced. Yeah. and it made sense because now we think of the shoes getting shoes getting lighter. Yeah traction to the ground getting better now because we get like Usain Bolt who shouldn't be running that fast because he is his body his frame of his body does not equivalent to that type of speed it's not yeah. it's not in theory backed by science he shouldn't be doing that yeah that's why I like saying science some results are backed by science some results are backed by science mm-hmm. and where is it going with this Oh yeah, going back to so I think where we're going with advancement with being able to read all this, read all these numbers. But even another podcast I was listening to said we can have all these numbers, but that but when it comes to game day, those numbers yeah doesn't mean they don't mean anything. Yeah, that that literally where you're talking about uh, equipment and all that. Fortunately, you know sometimes we don't have the resources we don't. to buy. You know no. like the velocity like. See how fast you could move a bar, stuff like that. I actually like looked into. There's a medicine ball that you could hook up, hook up to like an iPad. Like when you throw it or do whatever you can, it shows you how fast it goes and stuff like that. How much was it? Uh, it's like 500 bucks. Pretty expensive. Pretty expensive. Yeah. One day. One day. One that, day. That was that was for the cheapest one too. One day we're gonna be able to say we got that. But, Multiple of them. But until then. Yeah. But what I was trying to go with is that. So what is this? This was this path. This is Wednesday. I had my baseball players with me. We were throwing medicine balls against the against the wall, right? And it was pretty light, six pounder. I, what my intention with that was: how fast can you throw the ball? Mm. Now, obviously, sometimes people are guilty of not taking reps seriously, and yeah. I was seeing that. So what I have is we actually we have a radar gun. It, it's like forty bucks. I had a radar gun that that's like you know it's pretty cheap. It's economical. I told him I'm like hey for a last set I'm gonna take the radar gun the radar gun to you guys. Let's see who could get the fastest who could get the fastest velo on the ball. It's a six pound ball. Okay. All of a sudden, it turns into a competition. Who could throw the fastest? All of a sudden, everybody wants to be the all-star. And so now, this is what I was going back to intent now mm. for conditioning and all, everything that we we're talking about. Their intent was up there because it's like, now it's like, oh, I want to have that. You know, I, I want to be able to say, oh, I could throw this given medicine ball faster than you and then you. So, you know, obviously there, it got to a point we... We broke the medicine ball. Uh-oh. But we still kind of kept throwing it. And, you know, the intent that I wanted was there just because of a radar gun. I didn't need those fancy medicine balls to see no. how fast it was going. It was already telling me. I had a kid throw the, was it the most that it was, the six-pound ball was going at 24 miles an hour. Not bad. Yeah, for a six-pound ball. That's moving. 
Um, and like nobody stayed under, nobody went under 21 miles an hour. Okay. So you know that these guys were trying to rip oh, the, either, either the break ball. the ball or break the wall. So but the intent was there. Then now it goes to show you now, how do you keep that on them 20, every single rep? Because now conditioning comes at that maximum effort. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing too. I use competition a lot. That's the you know that's the only downfall. I I try. I think my only downfall sometimes is I I train because I train multiple athletes mm-hmm. that are from different backgrounds. It's not hard to get them to compete with each other, but they're all so like I. It's hard. It's not hard. I just have to find the right movement to get my track runner. To be able to do with my softball player. Yeah. Because even though athletically speaking, there is type of, there is a balance. You can take anything from any sport and apply it. But I haven't, my track runner is not athletic enough. That's why I'm working on her to be athletic enough to do certain things that my softball player to do can make it in the same realm. Mm -hmm. But that's good that you do it because then now everybody's, everybody wants to be the guy. Yeah. Like sometimes, like sometimes I'm training somebody by themselves. And even I jump in. It's like, hey, you're throwing this medicine ball up in the air. Pick a weight for me. And you have to you have to throw it higher than I do. Okay. And obviously it's like a it's a weight that kind of measures out. So it's like I did this with uh Junior, my soccer kid. Props to Junior. Very, very hard worker. Love working with them. Shout out to uh, Junior. We're throwing medicine ball up in the air. Obviously, the intent wasn't there. I was like, hey, pick a medicine ball for me, and you have to beat me. And so he was throwing a four-pounder. He's 11 years old. Um, And, I mean, obviously, I'm 5'11", 275 pounds. 20 of him. Yeah, maybe even 30 of him. He's like, okay, cool. You have to get the 15-pounder. I would have told you to grab the 20. (laughs) I'm like, nah, you grab the 30. Yeah, so... You know, now he was throwing the ball up in the air with what, with the effort that I wanted. Just because I had that little competition with it. Or sometimes I'll even like run with my guys. But hey, you guys can't, you guys know I'm slow. I'm a little, I'm bigger than you guys. I shouldn't be able to beat you. And it's like, oh shit, like you're on my ass now. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go. I can't, I can't let you embarrass me. Damn. I'm going to take all my athletes out on the track and just like, let's do this. Yeah, but see, you're the track runner. I'm not the track runner. They don't know that. (laughs) They don't need to know that. They don't need to know I ran track and I'm actually pretty fast and I actually (laughs) could jump and stuff. That's why I like being in my shoes because I could, I could, I'm, I can make them really work hard. I remember one time I worked out with a baseball team. They were pissed because I was like, this is what I want from you guys. They're like, Oh, this is what you're trying to do. I was like, yeah, you guys are. The way I told him, like the way I work is different from you guys because you guys, you guys are cool with being the bare minimum. Yeah. Me, when I work out, get, I want the max every yeah. single time. And it was a reality check for them, and it's like what you're doing is a reality check for them because it's now it's. This is what you're expecting. This is what you're asking of me. Yeah. To give you that effort. And then when they see the when you when you see someone who is your mentor or your teacher doing it now now it's like now I know what I yeah, need to do. You're setting the standard. Exactly, set the standard. Let these kids know. 
just because I got the coach on the back of my shirt doesn't mean I can't do it still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still got it. I always tell a lot of my basketball players, like, coach, we're going to get one-on-one. And I was like, soon. But don't forget, I've taught you all you can now do. Remember <laughs> that. Remember that. No, I think um, I think with the old school, though, I think the... I think there's still a lot of gems there. But yeah. if you know how to properly, it has to be applicable. I don't I'm not saying that you should get a we should get away from that. I still think you do need to test your athlete. Yeah. Just to, you know, their mental just to build that. Because the same day, like we don't know, like going back to in baseball, like we we could go over all these sprints, but at the same time, it's like if we need that play where it's like crunch time and just like yeah. grinding it out you need those grinding out workouts where it's yeah. like now nah, we're gonna do some pulls or something just yeah. to grind it out i mean yeah i mean that's where i think it's it's useful i usually see it useful right at the beginning of just because i mean what we do is again we have to make different programs depending on where the athlete is in their season or off season i think that's fine when they're at the beginning of the off season, they're just trying to build like that general conditioning. Then as soon as the off season keeps progressing, you start getting closer to the season. Oh yeah. You got to start tapering it to the point that it has to be to their needs. Yes. Like sometimes we might go, for example, a couple of my baseball players just started their off season. What we did is the, our Diablo bike. So the air bike, um, we'll go seven minute, uh, Straight? No, 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 no. Oh, there, there's two guys, uh, two two athletes. Oh, man, two athletes. What you guys call it's it's a, Diablo? It's a, it's a. I kind of take this from like CrossFit. It's Shout a you go, CrossFit. you go, I go. One person has to do ten calories on the bike as fast as possible. Next guy jumps in, does ten calories again, and they do that for t- seven minutes straight. Ooh. Which ah. it, it builds that general it builds that general conditioning that they need. But it's more we, of a sprint though. It's still high intensity. Yeah, that's what I say. It's still yeah. high intensity. It's still high intensity. I mean, these guys are busting it out, so they're busting out 10 calories in no more than eight or nine seconds. Yeah, because you don't want to be on the assault bike for more than 10 seconds. Yeah, exactly. You do not want to yeah. be on no. Nah. And I mean it, at the same time, they start they start kind of cheating the system sometimes where it's like, oh, if I finish faster, the other guy's going to have to jump on quicker. I shorten up his rest. He's going to get more tired. So I get a little bit longer rest. And then, but then it's but that's going to backfire on them. It does. But then again, you still build it. The, the whole reason for it is to build that general conditioning. It doesn't. And okay. That makes yeah. sense. It's not so much like, a competition. Even, even if it, faster. even if it backfires on them, it's not what, they want it's what the it's goal what is. they need yes yep. damn that's smart so little things like obviously it's a competition and I'll, i use this a lot with let's say like some guys that are a little bit less vocal um you know usually the guys are a little bit less vocal a little bit less uh how do we say not, not shy confident in their abilities not as confident okay as possible and you put them, you group them up with the more competitive person, and then the competitive person starts going, "Hey, let's go!" Like you know, come on. They start feeling like that uh, camaraderie. Yeah. Together, that's a, that's and then they, they start opening up a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. They start opening up a little bit. So it's like, there's always a way around. There's no given, how do I say? No given handbook of how to get somebody to turn the switch on. Nope. There's more to ways open of doing up it. a little bit. Yep. Yeah. There's always way, ways of doing it. There's always good ways of doing it. Um, but no, I think um, that that environment of creating that competition is great, and it makes these athletes work harder, and it yields the results we need, yeah. but more importantly, they need. So I think at the end of the day, when it comes to going back to what we just talked about, baseball, softball players, and also conditioning, intentions. Yes. It's always, always the intent. Always the intent of what you're trying to do, and always be accomplished of the goal in mind. Because if you're able to illustrate that to the athlete, the athlete knows. Now the athlete knows, okay, I need to do this because this is the goal for the day. And I think once they get understand the goal of the day and you create that canvas, now they just paint it. Mm-hmm. And then we, we rock and roll. Anything else exactly. you want to add on to these two subjects we talked about? Uh, I think we're good. Yeah, I, think I think we're I, good with that. I think we're good. Yeah. I think that was that's it. That's our second episode our right second there. second episode. That's, that's a wrap, crazy. man. Um, who, any shout outs? I mean, shout out to... It was, let me get it Shout out right. to Coach Javier. Yep, Coach Javier. Um, Shout else? out to Junior. Oh, yeah, Junior was the second <laughs> question. Um, man, I'm, I'm, I took a lot of notes from today. There a lot. You go. There and you it's go. good because now um, I learned a lot today. <laughs> New Age Strength Cast. Any, anything else? Shout out to Coach Mags again. Oh, man. Huh? Shout out to Coach Mags. Yeah, shout out to Coach Mags. Always, he's always helping me out. And I want to give a huge shout out to our great man over there in the corner, always working. Mr. J.M. Cam, a productive culture. If you, when you hear this podcast and if you're looking to start your own podcast, hit them up. Let them know New Age Strength Cast sent you. If I'm not mistaken, you still get your first episode for free. He gave me the head nod and the thumbs up. I'm a good to say it. Please mention them. All my friends who are asking where I go, Union and Co-Work out in Glendora. It's a great working space. a good spot to be here. The homie calligraphy is downstairs. We got some coffee. I'm all wired up because I had some espresso. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great closeout. Anything else you want to add to this? Nah, man. We're good. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for giving us all the topics that we could help you guys out with. Share with your friends. Let them know that where you're getting all your information from. That's it. Till next time. Thank you, guys. See ya. See ya.